Hey, good morning, everybody. It's Randy here. Uh, it's, uh, let me just turn this down. Yeah, it's uh, Made Free Church, ServantForChrist.com, and Tactical Discipleship. Um, just wanted, oh, lighting's not very good. Let's go up there. Like, there we go. Nope. Anyway, who cares? Um, just wanted to touch base with you guys this morning. I got a couple announcements. Um, you know, I, I don't ever get burned out on God. I mean, God is not something I get burned out on. But I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do is I'm getting kind of burned out on being on four times a week. So I'm gonna be cutting it down to maybe three to two times a week because I just need to spend time with God. And um, I think that's very, very important. You know, I, I, I totally believe what Martin Luther said is that we have to hear the gospel every day because we forget the gospel every day. And I'm in total agreement with that because sometimes when we go about our daily lives and our wants and 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 stuff, it's 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 like we forget that God is in control of everything, and it creates a lot of division in the church. It caught it, and what I'm talking about in the church, I'm not talking about in the church building, but I'm talking about church with, with the body of Christ, right? And I've seen in the last six months, I've seen a lot of that take place. And um, it's not good, man. It's not. And Paul talks about this uh, to the church of Corinth. And, and I think it's something that we really, really, really need to look at. You know, we, that we really need to pay attention to is the division that's in the church. Like, and, and let me let me tell you something. If you're a Calvinist or reform guy or you're... You and non-denominational or whatever, man. There's there's quite a division. There's a division in the eschatology. There's a division because of uh, Good Morning. Um, there is a division. Period. You know what I mean? And it sucks, man. There shouldn't be division in the church, depending on what your eschatology is, or 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 if you're a non-denominational, you're a Calvinist, or you're a Reform guy. Or, you know what I mean? Or you're a Pentecostal or, or whatever. There shouldn't be any division. Now, I, I, I've been a part of that division. And I, need to, and I need to apologize to you guys. Because I've been a part of that. See, when we become... We get into what we call a cage stage. Right? Where our, our view on scripture and how we do things is the correct way. And everybody should listen to us. Right? And... Um, so I need to, to apologize to you guys because, you know, yes, we're supposed to call out false teachers. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to do that, right? But, um, you know, uh, I just think that we there, there needs to be less division and more unity in the church of Christ. And this is what this is about. Um, so just a couple of, um, you know, um, just a couple of, of of announcements before we get started guys if you guys need prayer please go to madefreechurch.org we have a whole intercessory prayer team that literally you know um prays over your prayer requests daily and uh we we would love to if you want one of us to call you one of our pastors or one of our our intercessory staff or anything um you know, please, please put your phone number in there. The problem is that we can only call within the United States. We can't call the Canada, Mexico, or any of that. So, guys, please understand that um, we can only call within the, those those brackets. So, um, with 
you know, the fight in the United States. So please, we're a praying church. We believe that prayer is essential. So, um, yeah, so do that. And also, guys, these are the translations that I usually use in my Bible studies. Is the LSB, which is the Legacy Standard Bible. That's the NSA. That's the NA, NASB on steroids. The ESV. I just started using the NLT, which is the New Living Translation. I like how it reads and stuff like that. And I love some of the verses and it just uh, it pops. Um, also, the King James Version and the New King James Version. And those is what I use. So, um, I want you to open up your word to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be going through seven scriptures and that's 10 through 17 and i hope you guys enjoy this heavenly father thank you for your word thank you for this time thank you for the opportunity we get to spend with you in the morning god we just want to bless you today lord get me out of the way and let your word go forth god we love you we worship you we praise you in jesus name amen so divisions in the church paul paul touched on this a lot this was something that was happening you know, in the Corinthian church. So let's get into scripture and let's let's read what it says. It says, it says, Now I exhort you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brothers, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, each of you saying that I am of Paul, or I am of Paulus, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for uh, Crispus and Gaius, <laughs> so that no one would say that you were baptized in my name. Now. I did baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but proclaim the gospel, not in wisdom or of word, so that the cross of Christ be made empty. See, in today we're going to be continuing, you know, um, our study in, in, in 1 Corinthians, right? And it's a series that I'm calling the, the challenges that Christians face. And in our first lesson, we looked at the salutation, which is in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 1, 1 through 3. And then the second lesson in yesterday's church service, we looked at the thanksgiving of the Corinthians, which is in verses 4 through 9. And today we move into the body of the letter. And, and, and the Apostle Paul begins the letter by addressing the issue, divisions in the church, 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. Now, we live in a world in which people have disagreements. Some disagreements are relatively minor and other disagreements can are, can be rather major. But you may have heard of the story of a man and wife who was having an argument about who should brew the coffee in the morning. The wife said, you should do it because you get up first and then we don't have to wait as long to get up to get our coffee. And the husband says, well, you're in charge of the cooking around here, so you should do it because that is your job. And I just, I'll just wait. I could just wait for the, my coffee. The wife, the wife replied, no, you should do it. And besides, it's in the Bible that the man should 
do the coffee. And the husband was surprised and says, well, I, I can't believe that. So you need to show me. So uh, the, the wife went and got her Bible and opened up to the New Testament and showed him several pages that indeed says he brews. Kind of a corny joke, but I had to do it, man, because it's, you know, it's, 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 it, we need to make light sometimes of, of, of that, but it's just, I know you guys probably heard that before, but so I like the way that, that, that Pastor John MacArthur shows how disagreements are not only part of life, but also that can escalate in our lives. And he says this, quarrels, quarrels are a part of life. We grow in them and around them. Infants are quick to express displeasure when they are not given something that they want or when they like that something that they like is taken away. Little children cry, fight, and throw tantrums because they cannot have it their own ways. We argue and fight over a rattle, uh, that, uh, over a rattle then a toy, then a football, then a position on the football team or the cheerleading squad. Then in business, PTA, politics, friends fight, husbands, wives fight, business partners fight, cities fight, nations fight, and sometimes to a point of war. Unfortunately, Christians have disagreements. That situation in the church—that's the situation in the Church of Corinth. The Apostle Paul heard that there were disagreements in the church of Corinth. These disagreements escalated to the point of causing divisions in the church. So Paul felt compelled to address the matter. So let's look, let's look at, let's review what we covered in, in, in this series. First, uh, Corinthians chapter one, one through three is the salutation of the letter. The Apostle Paul utilizes the standard letter writing convention of his day by opening with a salutation in which he identified the greeter himself, the greeted, the church of Corinth, and the greeting, which is peace and grace. Then the Apostle wrote uh, the thanksgiving of 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. Paul thanked God for the Corinthians' past gifts, present gifts, and future prospects. Now we want to move into verse 10. And the apostle brings, begins the body of the letter. And he immediately addresses the issues of divisions in the church of Corinth. Paul argued the Christians in Corinth to heal the divisions in the church because they're contrary to the unity that exists in Christ. And so in, in, in today's Bible study, I want to urge you to heal any divisions that's in your church or in the body of Christ. They are contrary to the unity that exists in Christ's body. Let's use the light utilize the, the, the outline, right? It's, it's number one, uh, verse 10 is appealing to the appeal regarding the division. Verse 11 is the knowledge of the division. Verse 12 is the cause of the division. Verse 13 is the absurdity of the division. And verse uh, 14 through 17 is the correct the correction of the division. First, let's look, look at the appeal regarding the division. And Paul said in verse 10, As I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree 
that there be no divisions among you, but you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. See, Paul begins to respect, but began, Paul, let me put it in this way. <clears throat> Paul began with the respectful force of appeal. The Greek word for appeal is parkalu, right? In the same word that we get the word for helper, parkalos, par parkaletos. The basic meaning is that of coming alongside one another in order to help. Paul wanted to come alongside his brothers and sisters in the church of the Corinth in order to help correct their sinful divisions. Paul called his leaders brothers, probably which includes sisters as well, in, the, in, in, in this verse as well as the next verse in order to remind them of the intense feeling of love and affection he had for them. Now remember that he planted the church in Corinth and, and so he still knew many if not most of the people in the church and he felt very close to them. So Paul also revealed the intensity of his concern by appealing to his readers by the uh, name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By doing so, Paul reminded them that the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ stood behind his appeal. His appeal had three parts. Paul asked the uh, Christians in Corinth that you all agree, one, two, that there be no divisions among you. And three, that you, be not, that you be united in the same mind and judgment. So each part says basically the same thing. Christians need to eliminate divisions among themselves to be united together. This is happening today. We see, all, we see divisions in the church today. And I said this in my earlier remarks, right? If you're a Reformed guy or you're a Calvinist or you're a Pentecostal or you're you know, you're Armenian or you're, you know, uh, uh, we're not getting along because the difference in opinion is how we see scripture. See, I get along with my Armenian brothers just as much as I get along with my Calvinists and my Reformed brothers and sisters. See, it means nothing. It all flows upon the essentials, which is the Gospels of Christ. We need to cut out divisions. We need to stop lying to others and each other because when the world looks at us, they see no difference, no difference in how we are living compared to what how they are living. You know, and, and I think I think that's the biggest reasons why, you know, people don't come to Christ because they're like, why would I want to go there if it still looks like the world? right and that's that's huge guys see we need to separate be separate from the world we need to stop creating the division stop being divided and come in unity in the verses that follow and in the rest of the letter of corinthians the apostle spells out the beliefs that should form the center of agreement among christians Basically, Christians are to agree the essential truths of the gospel. <clears throat> you know, I'm sure 
there's a lot of uh, there's room for disagreement and diversity of, over the opinion and secondary matters in the church. And what I mean that is non-essentials. There can be di- you know there can be diversity. Some are amillennialists, some some are post, and some are pre. And but what is happening is there's a there's a division that's happening in between the eschatology. You know what I mean? Uh, you're a theonomist, or you're this, you're that. Why are we classifying ourselves and putting God in a box when the eschatology is a non-essential? When we have brothers and sisters that are that, that they need to be corrected in misuse of, of the gifts of the Spirit, but their essential doctrine is the same. But still we divide over that. And it's still happening today, guys. You know, it's like the, the American gospel is 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 like the church of Corinth. We divide over eschatology, we divide over uh, uh secondary secondary tenets. When we need to really really understand the gospel is what we need to understand, we need to, that's why I keep saying, man, we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the basics of of, of what we believe. If you're a theonomist, good, be a theonomist, right? But don't put a period after that. And 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 if 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 you're a, a reform guy, be a reform guy, but don't put a period after that. If your eschatology is pre-mill, post-mill, don't put a period after that. Put a period after the truths and the precepts and everything that is in the gospel of Christ. The the birth the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. And that's what we should all agree on. Everything else is, is, is just needs a correction. Like, you know, I've, I've heard before, heard a lot of guys say, we need a new, we, we need a modern day reformation. The church needs to stand up in political matters, in family matters and all that. Because if we're a true hospital, and the church is, we should be about our brother's business, and we're not. I want this, I want that, I want this, this is what I want. Get over yourself, it's not all about you, it's about others. So, over the central truth of the gospel, there cannot be any disagreement. John MacArthur is surely right when he says, for the local church to be spiritually healthy, harmonious, effective, there must, above all, be doctrinal unity. I cannot stress how important this, that the, this matter is. Christians have all kinds of disagreements over all kinds of issues, over all kinds of reasons. However, the most serious divisions in the church almost always occur over doctrine. Listen to Paul's warning to Christians in the uh, in the church of Rome. This is Romans, excuse me, Romans uh, sixteen seventeen. It says, "I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that." you have been taught avoid them those who are teaching anything contrary to the word of god are not serving christ but themselves and their own interests 
This matters on which the word of God is not explicit. There, 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 there is no room for difference of an opinion. But clear teaching of the word of God, there is, there's no room for difference. It, it has to be essential for the gospel. So Paul, Paul's appeal is essentially to eliminate the divisions, unite together in a doctrinal agreement over the central truth of the gospels. And we're not seeing that today. Observe, second, observes the apostles, the apostles' knowledge of the division. Paul said in verse eleven, "For this is how this has been reported by me, by Chloe's people, that there are quarreling among you." Notice that that Paul calls the Christians. In Corinth, brothers. This includes the term sisters as well. So I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of sisters that were, 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 were in this division. But Paul was stressing this heartfelt love and concern for the Christians in Corinth. Paul revealed the source of his concern. A report that had been brought by Chloe's people. We're not even sure who Chloe is, right? Some people think she was a member of the church of Corinth. Others, you know, think that she was a businesswoman in Corinth or even in Ephesus. In any case... Chloe's people told Paul that there was quarreling among the Christians in the church of Corinth. Third, notice the cause of the division. Paul said in verse 12, what I mean is that each, what, what I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. See, the Apostle Paul planted the church in Corinth. He lived in Corinth for 18 months and saw many of the Corinthians converted to Christ. And we see that in Acts 18.8 uh, 18, and verse 11. It's understandable that many of the Corinthian converts saw what would see Paul as their spiritual leader. Shortly after Paul left, a man named Apollos became the pastor of the church of Corinth. And he was an eloquent man competent in scriptures we see that in acts 18 24 many people came to faith in christ under uh, the ministry of apollos and again it's understandable that many of the christians at corinth would see apollos as a spiritual father right so there's no clear evidence that peter visited the visited corinth although there's some speculation that he did visit Corinth. Most, more likely, however, the, the Jews who had heard Peter preach in Jerusalem, who were converted under his ministry, eventually moved to Corinth. So they would obviously think well of Peter, right? He was one of Jesus' apostles, and he worked very close with Jesus in his ministry. Now, I can almost hear these Christians saying, well, the, uh, I heard the Apostle Peter say, that's what was happening in the church of Corinth, and, and that's, it, it, it is that the Christians had their favorite leader. And some would say, I follow Paul. Others would say, I follow Apollos. And then still others would say, I follow Cephas, which is a surname that Christ gave Simon. And then truly, spiritual would say I follow Christ right it is not difficult to divide into factions 
it is especially easy to do so in our day with the ease so much teaching available books the radio the tv and the internet and stuff like that you know a buddy of mine he would he would say man why why do you name that a church why does just call it church the church and i see what he says because you can divide into factions oh i i I, I, I go over to Water of Life, or I go to Abundant Living, or I go to uh, Rick, you know, Rick Warren's church, or I go to, you know, uh, um, you know, I go to Cottonwood, or I go to this church, or I go to that church, and it does divide factions or even denominations. You know, oh, I'm non-denominational. I'm Reformed. I'm a Calvinist. I'm Pentecostal. I'm Jewish. Uh, I'm a Messianic Jew. I'm this. I'm that. They all create factions. And this is not what Christ died for. You know, Made Free Church is just a name. Right? We are the body of Christ. And this is this is what this is what God this is what God sent his son to die for. Not a name of a church, not a body of, you know, uh, of 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 you know, not not talking about the body of believers, but I'm talking about, you know, church walls and and, and stuff like that and and we want to divide because they're using smoke machines or they got this, they got who cares, man? Are they preaching the word of God? Who really cares? I am tired of the divisions that I see. You know, this makes me back up and really take a look at the reality of the church in today's American gospel. You know what I mean? Um, it's divided. You know what I mean? It's divided. Yeah, there's some great churches out, reformed churches out there that are doing some good stuff. But there's a division. And we shouldn't divide. You know, I remember a guy that that, that, that went to a conference and, and was especially blessed by one of the preachers. And he desperately wanted his whole congregation to, to, to hear this preacher. So he just suggested one Sunday, instead of having the congregation listen to him on the pulpit, he put a TV behind the pulpit to play the preacher's sermon to the congregation. Now, I, I want, I, I, I don't want, I do want to say that that God has blessed his people with great preachers and teachers and we should learn from them and be blessed by their teaching. However, we should never sink into the point where we pit our favorite pre preachers against one another. Right? And it's interesting to note that the Corinthian the Corinthian heroes Paul, Apollos and Cephas preached the same gospel and, and they were not pitted against one another. No, it was the Christians in Corinth who were dividing over a loyalty of their favorite leader. We see this today. You know what I mean? We see this today. Oh, man, I'm going to listen to Apologia because their doctrine is correct. Or I'm going to listen to, you know, James White. Or I'm going to listen to... Um, Vody Bauckham, or I'm going to listen to Chris Rosenborough, or I'm going to listen to Pastor Danny Carroll. It, you know what I mean, guys. Sorry, but there's no division. None should be in the church. You shouldn't pit 
any any preacher, any pastor against one another. You know what I mean? You shouldn't. It's not right. You know what I mean? And so, you know, think about the absurdity of the divisions. You know, Paul responded to the absurdity of the divisions asking three questions. And by the way, the questions are stated in the Greek. It's clear that Paul expected negative responses, right? So the first that Paul asked in, in verse 13a, remember when I say A, it's the first start, first beginning of the, uh, of the thing, and then B is that is Christ divided? See, all kinds of divisions among Christians at the Quran could perhaps be justified in Christ's own resurrection, resurrected body, and had somehow been dismembered. Elsewhere, Paul described the church as the body of Christ, the community of those joined to him and to one another by faith, Romans 12, 3 through 5, and Ephesus 3, 6. And cry if Christ has been dismembered after the resurrection, divisions within the church might have been theoretically acceptable. But since Christ remained whole, the church needed to do so as well. Second, Paul asked in verse 13b, was Paul crucified with you? Because some of the members of the Corinthian church identified themselves as followers of Paul. And Paul asked if he himself had been crucified for the believers in Corinth. By this question, he made it clear that to identify oneself as a follower of Paul was an insult to the saving work of Christ. Paul was a servant and an apostle of, uh, an apostle of Corinth, but he wasn't their savior. And third, in verse 13c, which is the last part, or were you, were you baptized in the name of Paul? New Testament makes it plain that Christians' baptisms was performed in the name of the Trinity, Matthew 28, 19. This follows, this formula was observed and abbreviated baptism in the name of Jesus in Acts 2, 38 and Acts 19, 5. Even so, nowhere in the New Testament where believers baptize in the name of the apostles or the church leaders, loyalty of the believers in all ages must be directed toward Christ alone. Basically, Paul is urging the Christians to understand that our unity is found in Christ alone. It is not found in any leader, no matter how effective that or that uh, leader may be gifted. Right? The importance of uni unity and the word of God. The psalmist says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. In Psalms uh, 133 verse 1. The Apostle Paul prayed for these Christians at Rome. And it says in Romans 15, 5-7, May God of the endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may be one voice glorified the God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God see and and, and there's there's many other passages uh, that stress the importance of the unity of the Word of God the purpose of unity is to glorify God. God in prayer, in Paul's prayer for the Romans, we see the purpose of unity for the glory of God. 
and the source of unity is the Lord himself. We are called to preserve unity. We are able to destroy unity, but it cannot, but we cannot create unity. The unity of the church is established by the work of the Holy Spirit, and he unites believers together in the body of Christ. Father is, the Father is one, the Son is one, and the Holy Spirit is one, and the church is one. And finally, let's see the correction of the divisions, right? Paul said in verses 14 through uh, 17, I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius, so that none of you may say that you were baptized in my, my, my name. I did baptize the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel with not words of eloquent wisdom, lest, cro lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul breathed a sigh in relief that he had not baptized many people in Corinth. His ministry in Corinth, he baptized Crispus uh, and Gaius, but, but no others. These words do not suggest that Paul considered baptism unimportant. Elsewhere, Paul stresses the importance of baptism. It's a sign and seal of faith in Christ, demonstrating union with Christ in his death and resurrection, Romans 6, 4. For this reason, evangelism includes baptism. And even so, in the particular circumstances where believers align themselves against others as followers of Paul, and he was relieved that he had not provided them the support for their diverse spirit by baptizing many of them. Paul then qualified his statement that he only baptized Crispus and Gaius. In the process of writing these verses, he remembered that he also baptized the household of Stephanus, 2 Corinthians 16, 15. Stephanus himself may have reminded Paul of these baptisms as Paul dictated the letter to Sinosathes since Stephanus was apparently with him. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 16, 17. Beyond this, however, Paul confessed that he had not remembered if he baptized anyone else. This qualification indicates how intent Paul was on not providing his opponents any grounds for objections to his arguments. And then in verse 17, Paul serves to, to, to hinge, it, it, verse 17 serves to hinge Paul's discussion. It closes his discussion of baptism and transitions to the next topic. The conclusion to the previous matters amounts to an explanation that Christ did not send him to baptize, but to preach the gospel. The expression to preach the gospel, Paul moved um, thoughts in a diff in different but related direction. That was the nature of Paul's gospel he preached. It was not words of eloquent wisdom. The idea of preaching uh, did not rely on cleverness or, or eloquence. Paul distinguished himself from the Greek um, of his day, the Greek orators of his day, to who sought to persuade with impressive rhetoric and, and, and style. Paul insisted on his own preaching that was simple and straightforward. He avoided great oratories because he did not want to distract from the message itself. His style of preaching was self, uh, you know, effacing 
pointing to the source of salvation in Christ. See, Paul was concerned that the cross of Christ not be empty of its power when presenting and preaching the gospel message contradicts human wisdom so that it cannot be mixed with the power of human wisdom and be manipulated uh, be a manipulative persuasion for the reason those in Corinth who tried to defend the cross was the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes in Romans 1.16 salvation comes only from the atonement of Christ purchased by his suffering on the cross the recognition and reception of the power that Paul's chief concerned as he proclaimed the gospel so let's remember that we are called to embrace doctrinal agreement over the central message of the gospel and our unity is to be found in Christ alone as he revealed himself to us in his word. You know, people are going to uh, come up against me for that remark. I believe, I believe that the Bible is, you know, when, I, I like what Pastor John MacArthur said, when you touch the Bible, when you hold the Bible, you're touching the throne of God. It's his authoritative word to allow us to move forward and learn how to live as Christians are supposed to live. All right. Well, I, I hope you guys got out of that. You know, I know, I know every time that I study the word of God, it's just like one of those things where I just, I just keep, you know what I mean? So a couple more, um, yeah, need to say a couple more things, uh, before we let you go guys, we really, really need your support. We want to open up a church and, um, we want to be able to start gathering and inviting you all to hear pastor Dave or pastor, you know, Chad or myself preach and, and stuff like that. So we are a nonprofit and we, we, we want to open up our own church. So please give, you know what I mean? Um, please give as much as you can. Um, you know, we do this online because we love the word of God. Nobody gets paid anything for doing what we do. So please give. We really, really, really enjoy your giving. And there's three ways to give. You can give through our cash app. You can give through our, um, PayPal link, or you can give to check or money order to the address that's provided on the website of madefreechurch.org. Remember, leave us your email address so we can send you a tax deductible receipt. Okay. And if you guys would like to check me out, you can check me out at servantforchrist.com. I do have a, uh, a podcast that you can find on all the majors. Um, it's called reform pastors. So, and guys go check out our friends at 120 army. Um, there are bros. We love, uh, Aaron and, uh, we love Jose. So get involved with 120 army, go download that app onto your phone and all that. And also guys, we have a new disciple web discipleship ministry. It's called tactical discipleship. Go to tactical discipleship.org and check it out. All right. 
So guys, I want to thank you for watching. God bless you today. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We just ask God that you just do a major work in us. Protect us today as we go about our day. We love you. We worship you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, you guys have a great, great day. God bless you.